Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, it's Crystal Knight and welcome back to the show brought to you by Newsweek. This week, I'll be talking about the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And my guest this week is Reverend Yearwood. He is the president and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus. Welcome to the show, Reverend Yearwood. Good to be here, Chris. Rev, Rev. It's just Rev. It's not Reverend, right? It's just Rev, right? Yeah, it's just Rev. Okay, I'm sorry. Welcome to the show, Rev Yearwood. Uh, Thank you, Crystal. Good to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for joining. Um, Could you just open up by sharing with our listeners, what is the Hip Hop Caucus and what do you guys do? Yeah, the Hip Hop Caucus, as hip hop turns 50, Hip Hop Caucus turns 19 this year. So we've been around for almost half of the time that hip hop has been around in some capacity. And our role is to be the political arm of hip hop, meaning that we are to help shape policy because we know that either you shape policy or policy shapes you. So we want to be on the shaping side and what it means to create a good community for our folks around the around the country and the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and why did you think it was important to start this? Why was there a need for a policy arm, an advocacy arm of hip hop, considering all the elements um, that involve, you know, music, arts, entertainment, why did you think that this part was important? Well, culture is critical. And you mentioned music, b-boying, every aspect of what we would say is the part of that part of hip hop. The other part of hip hop is making change. And I think and, and how it was created. So hip hop itself was created in the Bronx and it was created because of the Bronx Causeway, which literally was a deriving mark uh, through that community and literally creating redlining and poverty and environmental injustice. And the young people at that time, who are now in their 60s and 70s, but at that point in time, they began to speak up and they used music. They really used their cultural expression to shape their political experience. And so hip hop has always been political, but the question is how does hip hop shape policy? And the Hip Hop Caucus was created to ensure that everything from economic justice to democracy, to civil and human rights, to climate justice, you name it, women's rights, queer rights, those things can be put at the forefront of what it means to be progressive and what it means to actually make change happen. Got it. And so you said, you know, you guys are celebrating 19 years. Is that correct? That's right. We we, we celebrate 19 where on September 11th, uh, and so we celebrate 19 years. And so next year will be our 20. So it's amazing for the hip hop political arm, the hip hop caucus to be 20 years in the game. And that's important. And I think that also shows the maturity of the culture. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you think about where hip hop was around that time frame, so that's around 2003, 2004, mm-hmm. um, 
Shout out, shout out to uh, Queen Latifah, who originally had rap to vote and many others who came in with a lot of things around democracy. Diddy had vote, vote or die, which I was a part of that. Uh, so, I mean, it was a time frame in which it was clear that we were beginning to get more engaged. And so that's really the kind of the pivot point um, in the political aspect of this. And I think that we've done an amazing job and, and put ourselves in a position where we've changed lives, saved lives and continue to be a force to reckon with politically. Got it. Got it. And you talked about some of the campaigns that you've engaged in over the years. What would else what else would you say have been some of your big wins since you've you know been created and you've, you've been existing alongside of hip hop? How has the caucus had tangible wins for the culture and for this community? I think the biggest wins for hip hop caucus has been around democracy okay. and how we've made that this mainstream. You know, back in the early parts of this of the 21st century, uh, democracy was still kind of seen of as something that our parents did fighting mm -hmm. for equality. And we were able to take that, not just go out and vote because your your parents died for the vote, which is critically important, mm -hmm. but really begin to under explain more so about why democracy was critical. And I think that it became more mainstream. So that's, that was a win. But even more so than that, I mean, we actually hold a world record so to speak, um, that is the most people registered to vote in one day. We had a one vote oh. day process. Yeah. In which we got okay. out third, 2000 people to vote in one day. This wasn't within a campaign process. This wasn't a, mm -hmm. a nonpartisan process. So that was exciting. Um, and I think the, the wins that we've had are numerous. I mean, we've clearly been engaged in the issues of racial justice um, from the very beginnings of the creation of the hip hop caucus from Genesis six, all the way to yeah. Sandra Bland. And wow. so I think that we've been engaging in that aspect. I think we've been engaging. We, we were we're at the forefront now of bringing the environmental justice conversation into even to this black and brown and indigenous spaces. And I think that that's something now that we're leading on um, fighting for clean air and clean water, clearly from Flint to Jackson, Mississippi and other issues from my home state of Louisiana, from Hurricane Katrina and Ida and this ongoing Obviously, right now, um, what's going on from Maui to the wildfires in Canada, we we have been at the forefront of making sure that um, that conversation is being had and finding solutions for it. And then economic justice, um, you know, but I think other ones we've had to have been internal. I think that, you know, internally, we've had to push hip hop. And I think we've we, we've had conversations that haven't been easy. We push conversations in regards to how hip hop has been homophobic. Mm -hmm. And how we need to in, infuse queer justice. We push, push conversations of how hip hop has been patriarchal and how we need to have women leadership and what it means to have, um, you know, uh, women leading in the movement. And I think we've also pushed issues for violence. And I think against women. And I think we've been able we, we've called we've called it out in many cases when folks within our own, um, you know, our own culture have mm -hmm. have have done violence. We've said, no, that's not right. And we're going to call you out, even though the other folks may want to call you in and hold you up just for the culture. We've been, we've been like, nah, we're going to grow as a movement and we need to make sure that we are calling out outside and inside to make sure that we can be powerful in all ways. That's amazing. And I like how you talked about, you know, not just calling out, but calling in, um, Talk to us a little bit about how you've worked with artists, right? So 
we know that there are so many, you know, people who've had influence over hip hop over the last 50 years. How have you worked with some of those folks who are seen as pillars in the community of hip hop who are seen as leaders? How have you worked with them to push advocacy, to push awareness about a number of these issues that you talked about? I mean, you, you went back to Jenna Six. I remember that. I was younger then, <laughs> but I absolutely remember it. And you bring, you brought us I'm all sure, the way I'm up. I'm sure my age. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You> brought us <laughs> all the way up to now, you know, which is what's happening um, in Hawaii. You talked about, you know, these wildfires that have happened in Canada um, and a number of things, right? Hurricanes flooding, all the things that have happened. How have you been able to infuse um, artists to be outspoken? Because a lot of times our favorite artists, they're silent, right? We, we wish that they would say more. We wish that they would take harder stances on, on various issues. So have you been able to do that um, and help influence in a positive way issues that affect the culture? Yeah, that's an important. So in hip hop, we inherited uh, an amazing legacy mm-hmm. of artists before us who were really what we would call artifice, those who were activists and artists at the same time. Okay. And we inherited that, meaning that we we saw from Eartha Kitt to Harry Belafonte to Dick Gregory, and the list goes on and on, right? We, 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 right. we, we, we saw that, what it meant to be engaged with the civil rights movement. And so when the hip hop culture is now taking. I think that we were we were really artists were focused on their craft. And then they realized that, like like many of us in general, we had to be more engaged. Our profession couldn't be something separate from literally our cause. And I think that many of them began to want to intertwine that. And I think that's when hip hop pockets to at that point in time, the history of hip hop, as you think about it, at the turn of, of the century, that's when hip hop caucus is created. And so in that, you know, working with artists from the very beginning, I mean, from the beginnings with, with Jay-Z, I mean, there's some, obviously there's, and there's all artists from all sizes. I want to say there's obviously there's the Jay-Zs to artists who are local in their community, but we've worked into the Missy Elliott's. I mean, first we work with them artists through the voting process. I think that was probably the big thing, working with yeah. Diddy and Jay mm-hmm. and Missy Elliott and all those. But I think it, it began to evolve. I think as, I think once we begin to work on things, we didn't make hip hop not war. Speaking yeah. out, speaking out against wars um, that were happening, and obviously what happened with Katrina. I think that you know it was clear that we began to work with artists. I think what happens there are certain artists who you would think would be conscious artists, where people say who are doing that kind of music, but the caucus really infuses it to be all artists. So artists would just try to do audience building, and so that led to like Ti when he was doing his my vote campaign or. Or, you know, this, you name it around that campaign or, or even with Drake around some of the green campaigns. I think that it was just more so audience building, but as time has gone on, I think that now you see artists like Don Richard, who's was in Danny Kane, who now actually works with and for the hip hop caucus. And I think you now have artists who are not more intertwined into actually more getting more to the Harry Belafonte aspect of being literally in the room when things are happening, but also using their celebrity to, to make change. That's the exciting part. I mean, and we're seeing more artists doing that. Um, artists from behind the camera, like the Dream Hamptons, who are also involved, to many other artists. I think that's what's changing now. Um, and that's also changing how artists are using their platform as well to to create change. Now, I will say this is very important. 
I think people put a lot on artists, which is yeah. which is critical, and that's fine. Um, and whereas and that's okay. You, sh- you should hold your artists or you support accountable to doing what's right. Um, and clearly, this this new generation is doing that very well. I also think that the movement overall, when the movement is strong, the music is strong. But mm. when the movement is weak, the music is weak. So what okay. we saw with the movement for Black Lives, or we see in other areas, when the movement is strong, artists actually follow that. They mm. actually want to put out there. The poets want to do that. The artists want to do that. And so I think that what we're seeing now is more that, that when the movement is moving and is engaging, then artists respond to that as well. Yeah, that's that's powerful. And and we see a lot of artists who are able to, like you said, use their platforms to speak out for good. Do we see the caucus? I mean, you talked a little bit. I want, I'm going back a little bit, but also bringing it forward. You talked about calling out, calling in. Do you see the caucus um, take a position um, when artists are, quote unquote, wrong? Because I, I assume that you all take a nonpartisan position. Um, yeah. Your 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 position is really to just make sure folks are engaged and aware of, of issues. But then you have some artists who many might consider to be problematic, for instance, like a Kanye West. Um, yeah. Some people may say he's not problematic. He's speaking for, um, you know, my generation, people that look like me and identifies me. But then there are other folks who say, well, he's bad for the culture, right? Like he does these things. He's aligned with people um, who I consider to be problematic for the culture and problematic for my community. How do you address artists who are different, who think different, who say, I'm not going to color within inside of a, a particular um, partisan line, even though this is a nonpartisan activity, voting is a nonpartisan activity. But how do you address that when you have this convergence of all these people with all of this energy, all of these I- ideas and ideologies? How do you think about artists who a large swath of people may consider them to be problematic? Yeah, well, the hip hop caucus is you're, you're right. What not only are we nonpartisan, we're postpartisan. Okay. So we try to we try to look beyond even the party system. So okay. no, we we want to encourage people and artists to think critically in mm-hmm. in all aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, what we what we also want to do is always think for their people in their community mm-hmm. that we are not nonpartisan or we are not postpartisan when it comes to injustice. When something or someone has a business plan that means a death sentence for our communities, we're not going to be nonpartisan in that regard. We're going to fight okay. that entity tooth and nail until they they literally stop hurting our community. And mm-hmm. we would hope artists do the same thing. And so if an artist is thinking critically and saying that we don't this is we should think this way and think that way, that's artists. Artists are going to be that way. But when they're saying things that obviously are in line with those who are hurting our community, and they're just they're just you and they're becoming a mouthpiece. We see a lot of times with the fossil fuel industry. Fossil fuel industry okay. will go out here and get artists to say, "Yo, it's okay to have you know smog and you know it's these are these are these are these are jobs. You know them jobs is is killing our community because we know that sixty eight percent of people of color, black people, live within thirty miles of a coal fired power plant, and so yeah. we ain't trying to have more asthma and emphysema and cancer in our community, and right. so. So we're going to speak to that. We're going to tell those artists, hey, yo, we, we you teaming up with somebody who's hurting our people. So if artists mm-hmm. are doing that, they should be very clear. The caucus is going to come at them. 
we're going to be like, we don't care what, if you on the side that's hurting our people, then you're not on our side. With that being said, I think that you meant calling, calling, calling out and calling in. One of the things, you know, recently in violence against women was in recent regards to Dr. Dre, you know, Dr. Dre had a situation in which, you know, it's clear that in back in the day, he beat D Barnes, who was, who was a host like yourself, Crystal, just doing, Mm -hmm. doing her thing. And he didn't like what she said. And so he, you know, he literally beat her up. And that never was, that never was really just never dealt with. And D Barnes got ostracized from the community. And we spoke out against that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard because, you know, many of us, you know, we grew up listening to Dr. Dre and, and you know, we, and we want him to win on some levels because that what he does for the culture. But on the other hand, you got to you, you got to speak to the other side. And we're still hoping. And if he hears this, that Dr. Dre would be like, you know what? I, I did violence against one woman, think a black woman, and that caused violence to all black women. And I need to do right. everything I can to fix that. And that's what we want. We want healing, right? That's what we ultimately want within our community. So we, so thinking for Kanye and for others who are doing that, we we ultimately want healing if it's a if it's if we if we can have it. But if we can't have it, and you continue to do things that are destructive, that are harming our people and harming our our, our communities, then we 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 gonna go hard at you. Like we go hard at those who are causing the pain for our people. Right. Okay. I love I love that answer because it's honest and it, it feels very pure that there's no you don't pick a side. You don't pick a side on what is right. Um, and you're not picking a side on um, the way people feel. I think, you know, even bringing up the Dr. Dre instance, I'm thinking about the Me Too movement um, yeah. and how so many people have brought up a number of hip hop artists or a number of hip hop producers or people who've just been in the industry um, and really having their day of reckoning, right? Like bringing, calling them out, um, asking them to um, admit uh, to the wrongs that they caused to a number of people who work for them, who were really trying to move up um, in the hip hop industry, trying to make a name for themselves. Um, and they had these negative experiences and maybe it's, you know, it happened years ago, but we're now in the, in the in the find out phase where people have, you know, messed around. And now this find out phase is I'm going to publicly put you on notice and embarrass you or, you know, share all the things that have happened in the past. But I wonder how has the Me Too movement and this cancel culture, if you will, how has it affected um, the hip hop caucus and how have you been able to help artists usher through this phase um, that we really haven't seen before and at this kind of iteration. Yeah. I mean, I think the key thing there for us is that how we do our work, which is mm-hmm. we we try to we try to do our work through integrity, but also you know, we we're not perfect. And nobody, nobody's perfect. And so when right. we make mistakes, we try to make sure that we we hone up to that, right? If we see something that we should have done better as an organization, then we then we then we fix that. And I think that's the same thing that we're we're saying to people. An artist that if you do something that's in the past or something wrong, then you need to hone up to that. You need you need to you need to run. I know your manager may not want you to because it may may cause you to lose a few coins in there. But ultimately, I think that people res- respect that and respond to that when you're earnestly trying to get healing to yourself, to a person you cause harm to, and to your community. I think that's one thing. I think the other thing I just want to say something you said earlier about where we stand for hip hop caucus. I think that you know. We, we, we do feel that we're on on the right side. We we we, we let people do their political thing, yeah. um, but on the right side. And I, I bring that up because recently 
um, hip hop. You know, Atlanta is considered one of the the epicenters of hip hop <laughs> for everything. Atlanta, and that's important. That's New York and L.A. And Atlanta's right there in, in the running. And mm-hmm. recently, you know, there was a lot of stuff that came out for top, Stop Cop City. It was the, yep. and so, you know, the Hip Hop Caucus was one of the very few national organizations that stood up. And even folks who were there, who we had worked with before in hip hop, and they were like, nah, it's a black man. It's a black city council. It's this mm-hmm. and it's that. We're like, nah, mm-hmm. you know, you know that a militarized police department unleashed on our people is not where to go. Yes, we want public safety. Yes, we need firefighters to do their job, but no, we don't need we don't need our folk to be still under the boot of a system that is not looking to be for them. And so I just want to say that that's a good example of us being able to, we, as an organization, standing up and other artists choosing to be a part of it. And then we see now that people are, people are speaking out and it's, and it's coming, it's moving forward. But that's just one example I just want to say that. And we do that not only on local level in Atlanta, we did it on the national level. Mm-hmm. We were, we, we stood up there and we outside the gates protesting when it was George Bush um, with Katrina or if it was Donald Trump. Um, in regards to student loan debt, but we were out, out there outside with, with Obama and we out there making sure. So we were outside the gates for, it doesn't matter if you have a Republican or Democrat, we were outside the gates raising noise, using hip hop in our culture to speak truth to power. And that's great. I, I, I love that you are, you seem to be issue focused and, and, and focused on what's moving the hip hop culture forward. How do you, think about um, or how are you thinking about engaging in 2024? We know that this election is coming up. Yeah. Uh, indictments are just being thrown around. Um, we saw, you know, some come out this week. But how is the caucus focused on the 2024 upcoming election? And how do you plan to engage the public? Are there any national campaigns that you could share? You know, give us a, a preview of what's to come, what you have on the docket for next year as you're thinking about this upcoming election? Yeah, well, you you know, as folks know, our Respect My Vote campaign is the oldest, uh, longest serving voting campaign in hip hop ever. And we'll continue to we keep it we'll keep, keep it going. It'll keep being that. Okay. Um, so Respect My Vote is where we start. And so people mm-hmm. can just go there first to respectmyvote.com. But what that campaign will continue to focus on is working in our urban centers, working with young people, and working with those who are returning returning citizens. Um, mm-hmm. We'll make sure that those who are coming home from the jails or the prisons, as they may be, that they are involved in the process. So that's off the top. We're going to continue to make sure that um, folks have a voice in this process. I think in this election, um, it's clear this is a situation here where democracy is on the line, and this yeah. in general, in all aspects, and particularly um, there's there's individuals who are being indicted, as you mentioned, who want to continue to run, don't even care, in my opinion, about the about about the process for either party. I don't think mm-hmm. they care about either side. They just want to p- keep promoting themselves. And and I think that's clear because if I had that many indictments, I, I would just be like, yes, listen, I need a break. I just got <laughs> exactly. I got to go get my legal stuff together. I mean, y'all gonna right. see me and <laughs> you might never see me again. I might I just okay. got to take this. I got to tighten this up. So the fact that you have someone who only cares about that is is troubling. Mm-hmm. And that's for me, because I say that as someone I I was uh, an officer in the U.S. Air Force. That was my, my years before what I'm doing now. OK. And so I, I know what it's like to pledge to to do this work, to say that, listen, 
I know what it's mean to be a servant and to, to do this and to protect the Constitution and all that good stuff, which is important. And so it's, it's stalling to me now to see people in these positions not upholding that same kind of oath. And so I think that for us, the Hippo Caucus is going to make sure and reintroduce why democracy is important, yeah. reintroduce to people why it's important not to give up hope on policy and legislation. And reintroduce that the key thing to this is that there will be everything thrown at you to make sure your vote is suppressed, to make sure that you can't get to the polls, but to make sure, as we said, that that, that they must respect um, your vote. And that's in essence through our Respect My Vote campaign mm-hmm. and that get out there and vote. But if you don't vote, if you give up your you give up your voice, then you're literally giving up on not only on democracy, but up on yourself. Yeah. So you, you talked about the Respect My Vote campaign. Let's say that there's a listener who says, well, I, I live, I'm originally from Tennessee. I'm from Memphis and says, like, I want this, this, yeah, I want to work with the hip hop caucus in my respective city, or maybe I'm in Maine or maybe I'm in Portland. Um, and I, you know, don't have a, a entryway into engaging with you. How do you engage with state partners and how can people just everyday individuals, people who are listening, engage with the campaign at the state based level? Yeah, what well, we do, we shout out Memphis. We got a, we got folks in Memphis deep, and Memphis, Memphis is, Memphis is deep, and so we make sure we get love there. But we do have leadership committees, okay, and that people people can work through them in their different different cities. Most of our leadership committees are in the same places where there's an NBA team. So if you want to know where we are, if you have an NBA team in your city, there's probably a leadership committee in your city too. That's why it's always easy for you to figure that out. But okay. if you if if we're not in your city, then definitely mm-hmm. through our social media or on the website at hiphopcaucus.org, you can without a doubt just go there and figure out how you want to be engaged. And we have that all the time for okay. many of our campaigns, like I said, from economic justice to climate justice to racial justice. People mm-hmm. want to get engaged. And we open the door. We really, we really want, we understand that young people today also approach this work differently. Yeah. Um, our parents were much more revolutionary, which is cool. That was just that was just how they how they rolled. But this generation is much more solutionary, in which they they understand that they are both outside and also inside. You know what I mean? And so yeah. they need to they they approach the work in a different way. And they also they want to find a solution before they just move. And so we understand it at, at the caucus. And so we 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 invite them to bring that genius to us. Um, and be with us. And we also need folks who are outside of the academy. We have a lot of folks like me and with the Howard and whatever, but we have a lot of folks. Shout who out to the, HU. Shout yeah, out to you know, HU. shout Paul out, you know, and, you know. And so, so, so we got a lot of folks who went to HBCUs. We love it. But we also got a lot of folks who are here in gangs and in the streets. And we need you too for this mm-hmm. movement. And so we need our Annie Lou Hamers of the 21st century. We need right. those who can just simply say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired their way. And we need that genius outside the academy to be a part of Hip Hop Caucus. So we want all that to be a part of what we're doing here at the caucus. Well, that's great. I love that you this is it's an inclusive caucus. It's not exclusive. It's not othering. You don't have to nah. have a, a certain pedigree to engage and to to be involved. Uh, oftentimes movements. Um, while they say that they're inclusionary, they're very exclusionary yeah. because there's this unspoken rule or there's this unspoken um, thing that you have to have. And so um, I, I I really love the fact that um, particularly returning citizens or people who are, like you said, are are outside 
have a place that they can call home um, because so many people from all walks of life identify with hip hop and listen to hip hop. And what better way for them to engage in the democracy process, in the voting process than through this caucus. And so to know that they have a home here, to know that they can engage no matter where they are, what their background um, looks like, as long as they care about these same ideals, that's a great thing that I think many people will find refreshing um, within this particular movement. Because again, so many of them that exist have all these pre-qualifiers um, that ultimately exclude people. No, that's real. I mean, that's one of the reasons we love being in the caucus because in that, you know, it's, you know, nothing wrong with other organizations, but caucus is a culture and the hip hop is a culture. So that bad being a culture allows you to bring people in from every, everywhere. So you could be black, white, brown, red, male, female, straight, gay, theist, atheist. You can just be human. That's really I only qualified you to be human. Uh, right. that's, that's the key thing <laughs> to be part of the caucus. You'd be human. We don't got, we don't got a dog caucus yet. We got to figure that one out. We got to figure that one out, but we don't have that yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe, that, that, maybe you guys will um, think about, you know, there are so many caucuses on, on Capitol Hill. I'm just thinking yeah. about the Hill and, you know, you have the Progressive Caucus and you have all these Black Caucus, Hispanic right. Caucus. Yeah, absolutely. If there was an official or is there maybe I should ask that before I make my statement. Is there an official congressional hip hop caucus? You know, there isn't, you know, and I think that's an ode to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we have many. Um, obviously from Congressman Jeffries to so many Congressman Carson to Congressman Barbara Lee, even Maxine Waters. I mean, we got so much love. I think that they, in a, in a very real way, um, Mm -hmm. have allowed us to be, uh, that, that, that component. And I, and I'll tell you why. So the Congressional Black Caucus Mm -hmm. is considered the conscious for the Congress. That's what they, that's what they would say. Right. And I think as time has gone on, the hip hop caucus has become the conscious for the conscious. And so I think yeah. that it kind of allows us to keep it a buck uh, with them and allow. Yeah. And, and I think that that's what's exciting. So th- we we definitely merge together, not like not from a standpoint of a political party, but from a philosophy of what it means to fight for particularly our communities and our people. And so I do think that they haven't in a kind of an ode to hip hop caucus. So I actually appreciate that. They, they, they call the CBC in particular yeah. uh, calls on us to, to really, to really work with them. And I think mm-hmm. that's very different um, in many cases, but it's also this shows tremendous respect for where we become. And it's also, that's important because when hip hop caucus was first created, mm-hmm. we obviously were looking for a name and we took our name caucus primarily because, you know, we saw what the Congressional Black Caucus was doing. And right. when we first got started, they wouldn't allow us to do anything with them because oh. they were like, oh, y'all just a bunch of gangsters or you know, whatever they thought. You know what yeah. I mean? Y'all going to come here and mm-hmm. be out here break dancing in the hallway. I don't know what they thought, actually. I don't know what they were thinking, but they didn't allow us. So our first meeting was mm-hmm. actually at Howard on September 11th. That's our creation date. And yeah. so I think that as now as we 19 years in the game, I think that they respect what we still have to offer. Mm -hmm. And we still understand that let us never forget our people 
who have died, who have suffered, who are hurting, mm. that as long as we don't forget about that and yeah. we we make that right, then that's the only kind of policy that we should be putting forward. And I think that's what makes this hip hop caucus unique and why I think there maybe one day will probably be some kind of auxiliary in mm-hmm. Congress. Mm-hmm. But clearly what we saw recently in the 50th anniversary, that even from the White House down to the state houses, everybody was definitely showing mad love. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of the Congressional Black Caucus, um, you know, it's coming up and I hope that the hip hop caucus is involved, um, that I can, you know, join in on some kind of event or how even if it's a panel or something that you're 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 speaking on, because I think it's important that folks understand this bridge between these two entities yeah. and how the partnership is deep, how the mm-hmm. partnership is intentional um, and how, you know, because the two of you can exist, um, it does help with the culture. It does help bridge. Again, these folks who may consider themselves to be outsiders is bringing more people in, bringing more people into the voter base into the, the democracy space, which is ultimately what we always want to do is increase the electorate, increase the amount of people who see themselves with a political home in That's some, right. in some facet or, you know, or, or some way. Well, we definitely going to be in the hallways and we definitely doing panels. So definitely we look for everybody to come through this year's course of black caucus uh, annual initiative conference is going to be uh, powerful because it's really the first one deep post post-COVID, so I think people are really going right. to be there. So I'm excited for that. But one thing you mentioned, I think it's important that, yeah, it, we have a strong bond with the Congressional Black Caucus from the standpoint of how we just want to see our community do better. Even more importantly, I think it's a lot of love. I think yeah. that that's the one thing we need for our people more than anything, that right now people are not feeling that love. And I think that when they feel that love and they feel it in regards to shaping policy, creating legislation, because one thing I always say that we, we we do we do pretty well as far as demonstration, but demonstration without legislation leads to frustration. So we got to make sure we bring all those things together. All right. Well, you know, I, I appreciate those were just good wrap up words. But, you know, <laughs> if, if there's anything else that you love to leave with our listeners just about the hip hop caucus, um, I'd love to give you the last word and just say thank you again, not only for your service, but two, thank you for continuing to push this movement forward. I'd love to leave you um, the opportunity to just share any other thing that you would think be interesting for our listeners or people who would be interested in in the work of your service and what you're doing. No, nah, well, thank you for that. I appreciate that, what you just said immensely. I just want to say the great thing about the Hip Hop Caucus is that it was created by so many people. I think the one thing people saw was that they were building things on individuals and not institutions. And I think the caucus, the reason why it's around 19 years, going to 20 years, is because it was based upon an, an institution and many people loving hip hop and sewing into that from all aspects and trusting it and being with it. So I think the Hip Hop Caucus is a great beacon now for what it means for us, particularly black and brown people, but for all people in that regard to really have something that's within our culture. I would just say, folks, you know, we're still growing. We we, we want to go way past the 20 years into 25 and 30, and we need you as a part of this. And so please go to hiphopcaucus.org. 
go to hiphopcaucus.org or even all of our social medias is hip hop caucus. You know, go there, check it out. We got a we got we got podcasts, we got we got documentaries, we got all, all right. things flowing. So check it all out. But just know the same way to you, Crystal, and to everybody listening. Hip hop, if nobody told you anybody who listening, hip hop caucus loves you. And all power to the people. All right. All right. Thank you again, Rev Yearwood, um, President and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus. Thank you so much for sharing with our listeners. And we look forward to having you back. Nah, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Crystal Night Show brought to you by Newsweek. The best way you can support us is to give your five star review on Apple iTunes and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast to the Crystal Night Show. Mm-hmm.